Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, will you save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is Sir Patrick of House Lyon. And on this episode, we discuss, believe it or not, the top 10 moments of your Colorado Rockies 2020 year. Uh, Was it the best year in franchise history? No. Were there surprisingly a, a decent number of things to pick through here and talk about that were pretty cool this year for your Colorado Rockies? Yeah, actually, narrowing this down wasn't as easy as you might have thought. So hang out with us here as a part of your New Year's Eve and or day celebrations as we turn the calendar over to what hopefully will be a better year for everyone, including your Colorado Rockies. And Patrick, let's just get right into it. Like I said, there's so many. We've we've got to get into the honorable mentions, of course, before we can get to the top 10. But uh, there were quite a few. So let's get into a few of these. Now... When we started this and we were trying to do a top 10, the obvious thinking was, all right, well, the Rockies won 26 games, so we probably are only going to be able to talk about half of them, which is great. So that meant that meant 16 wins were on the cutting room floor. So already we were we were starting with a, a net positive, but there were a lot. You know, you ran off 10 off the top of your head. Then we went through a little bit deeper and and we found several more and uh, we had to get creative and combine a couple there was uh there was a lot more than like again when you hear the honorable mentions you're gonna go shoot what was what was on this list yeah so yeah so the the first thing uh that we had on the list was a couple players that surprised this year and and the first being reliever yensi almonte who ended up being a real big bright spot for that bullpen when they needed it. Stepped yeah. up to the to the yeah. plate uh, figuratively, but no, literally to the pitcher's plate. That's what the pitcher stands that's on the pitcher's it, right? plate. It I is. It's, right. it's a pitcher's it's plate. plate. The mount. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. And yeah, he he was huge, especially in the early going. Was uh, you know average, somewhat uh, you know the the final month or so of the season, but definitely was a major bright spot and had probably his longest stretch of consistent games since he had come up from the minors since, you know, 2018, he had had those moments. He had had those flashes where you go, all right, this guy could be something. He could be a thing. And he put it, he put a lot of it together uh, over a longer period of time in 2020 and is definitely a bright spot where uh, we saw on social media today, people saying, all right, well, what would the back end of the bullpen look like? Do you want Bard? Do you want Oberg as your closer? You know, Givens, of course, is going to be in the seventh. But we don't necessarily know that that's true. Yancy Almonte very well could be that guy in the seventh. And if uh, a couple guys falter here and there, he could be that eighth inning guy. And he could be almost that Adam Ottavino kind of guy by the time his time in Colorado ends, or at least by the time his contract runs out. Because who knows? Maybe they'll do an Oberg situation and keep him around for a few more years. And maybe he is really that future, uh, that future closer for the Rockies going forward. You know, Patrick, there might be some people thinking you are, you are blowing smoke right now and you're going wait, Look, look, it was a nice little 60 game stretch, but kid had shown nothing before that, which isn't quite true. Actually, he had had some stupendous years actually as a starter in the minors and was looking for a while there. Like he was going to be the steal of the, that's Tommy Canely, right? That was the Tommy Canely trade? Yeah, from the White Sox. Yeah, I'm from Chicago. Sure, I'm pretty sure that's right. And for a while there, because Tommy Canely didn't look very good, and Yancey Almonte was balling in the minors. Like, man, the Rockies for once actually traded a reliever who just kind of wasn't doing anything and got this stud starter. Well, he's now turned into a reliever himself. But, you know, we've been talking a lot about ERA Plus this offseason. You and I have been trying to get more educated ourselves and, and then help educate a number of other people about – what it really means to be a, a great Rockies pitcher, but also what it means to be a mediocre Rockies pitcher. And 
in his before we get to his ERA plus from this 2020 year in 2019, where he posted that 556 ERA as essentially a rookie, he had 14 innings under his belt before that, where he'd actually he'd been very good. Actually, his ERA plus over those 14 innings, 262. Yes. How that's wow. That's not, again, 14 innings late in the season, right? You know, he, he, I think he made his debut in, in September. So, uh, or excuse me, in August, but, but pitched predominantly in September, but that's still something. That's still something. That's something. That's a good start. Then 34 yeah. innings again, dealing with all the course field stuff and, and changing and up and down from the minors and, and back to the big leagues, the 556 ERA over 34 innings, but a 93 ERA plus. So again, when you factor in for Coors Field and everything that's going on out there, uh, he's he's having an above average, or, or I'm sorry, a slightly below average campaign as a rookie. And that's, you know, you're, you're going to take that. You need those guys in your bullpen, as we've talked about. And then this last year, 2020, it's 27.2 innings, a 293 raw ERA for an ERA plus of 181. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive and and something exciting to look at going forward. You know, Jairo Diaz and, and Carlos Estevez are kind of those two Rockies guys that are the you know more veteran players that you go, man, they're really going to need to rely on those guys, and I, I think they absolutely will need to. But Yensei Almonte is a guy that I think has a little bit more upside. I think you know he he very well could be. Uh, a big thing for this bullpen going forward. He's going to need to be, frankly, but it was just nice to see in 2020 how quick he was able to jump out, get that great star. Tyler Kinley was a guy that uh, he delivered on what the Rockies kind of said that you know uh, he was going to, but Yancy Almonte immediately jumped out and in, in doing that, and at, at in his you know age 26 season, that's that's definitely something to to be positive and, and think strongly about going forward. Yeah. Yeah. He had a very strong campaign. And again, with him still being what that was his age 26 season. So he's still in the middle of his physical prime here. He's got some experience under his belt now. I think uh, this is also something you can we know we all know relievers are, are volatile, um, uh, but we also both know that this kid's got a great head on his shoulders, uh, really is one of those ambassadors. We've talked about those guys who the really important players in any clubhouse, quite frankly, who fluently speak both English and Spanish and mm-hmm. and can be friends with everybody on the team, therefore, with no language barrier. And uh, he, he really is friends with everybody on the team. So he's one of those guys who, when he does well, everyone roots for him. It charges the team up. Yancy Almonte, I think, is he's one of those people that nobody outside of Colorado is talking about at all. But he just put up this 181 ERA plus, and we've got to have our eyes on him. And if you want hope for the Rockies bullpen, a lot of it is going to lie right now in that young man. Another young starting pitcher that got an honorable mention for 2020 was Ryan Castellani. Now his overall numbers, you know, might might you know not not excite you, and and I think there's still a question mark of, about whether or not he can hold down the fifth spot. But if we're just talking about the best and brightest highlights, the kid came up and in his big league debut was a part of a one-hitter. A one-hitter that the Rockies historically have not had a lot of. And this is how is that right? that he right. jumps out and makes his mark. And yeah. that was, again, forget about the, the the rest of his starts. That one moment is just something the Rockies haven't had a lot. in their, Something a lot of teams just haven't had a lot sure. in their history. It's just a great moment. And, and – and I was almost surprised that that didn't make the list because that was that was a really big deal at the time, and it, it still is a big deal. Yeah, I think if we were being a little bit more strict about what a moment means, because because <laughs> as people are going to find out when we get to the list, there there are a few that sort of encompass uh, even some season long phenomena. But if you're yeah, if we're talking about moments, one day where just being a Rockies fan was really really cool, uh, was fun was a great there was great payoff we talk about i talk about this a lot on on this show specifically about what is the payoff for all the years of pain and all the frustration why continue to be a fan why fight through it and it's it's moments like that when the guy makes his major league debut and is a part of something special and and shows hope for a pitching staff that desperately needs it like you said i think the reason it didn't make the the list is because ultimately 
you know, people don't necessarily end the season feeling positive about where Castellani is at. And, you know, maybe that you feel like, ah, it's kind of a flash in the pan, maybe a little lightning bottle, whatever other one of those cliches you can come up with. But, uh, yeah, uh, great individual day in Rockies history. He came out in the, the fourth inning. Pitch count was was high for him at that point, again, making his debut. Jeff Hoffman came in. He ended up you know, getting credit for the win, but it wasn't until the sixth inning uh, J.P. Crawford finally got it, got a hit, and it was just, again, it's something that – it's the stuff that dreams are made of. And so be a for trivia question that, to do that, right? That no one's going to get the answer to. It's like name the – the four or five, I, I don't even know how many. It was the next guy after, like the five Rocky, the four Rockies who pitched a one hitter against the Padres. And you get Castellani for free, right? And you're, so first you're like, who? So now you got to get Jeff Hoffman. Uh, I'll say, uh, I'll say Bardo pitched in that one. Not makes, Bard. Wait, no. We, we mentioned the other guy already. We just talked about him. So Almonte pitched in that yeah. one. No one's ever going to get this trivia question five years from now. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to get it this year, to be honest. Yeah. And Philip Deal got got oh. the, uh, the the final out of the ninth. So, I mean, those guys did an amazing job on the road uh, against Seattle. And Dude, what a day for all great. those guys, honestly. Right? That's cool. That's oh, cool. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that that's the, a great kind of experience that you really want to be a part of. And, yeah. you know, and they and they cherish those moments, too. Like those guys will, you know, and the organization does that for them, too. You know, we'll, we've even seen it, uh, again, going down to the clubhouse where guys will have different, you know, various items in their locker. Or it'll just be sitting on their chair because Tiny, the the, the clubhouse guy, uh, you know, goes and hey, they got the they got the baseball or they got his jersey or his pants and some photographs and a big gigantic plaque commemorating their first win or their first home run. And the team does that for those guys to say, hey, this is you know still a, a really big moment for you. Like, yeah, the fans enjoy it; they're going to remember it. It's a piece of trivia, but this is you. This is your life. This was everything that you've been working for. And uh, again, it's it's one of the great reasons why you know the Rockies. You know, are are really good good organization to play for because they really do care about their people, and that's yeah. again, it's you tiny know, tiny is great, man. Tiny is great. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the sports is about winning championships. I feel like to a lot of fans, like that might be first and foremost. But again, it, how you treat people has so much value as well. And the Rockies are definitely a world class organization when it comes to that. Yeah. So we got Almonte. We got Castellani. Another gentleman who had a, a, a pretty good day was Mr. Charlie Blackman, September 11th. Now, I was at the ballpark that day, and it was very strange because yeah. Charlie Blackman did something for only the second time in Rockies history, and that was he hit a walk-off grand slam with Ryan Spielborgs being the other gentleman. Is that right? Which was an extra innings too, Yeah. Yeah, that one, one. Yeah, I believe I'm gonna say it's no thirteenth. Really I want to say thirteenth, but I'm pretty sure thirteenth is game one sixty three against San Diego. Surely they weren't both in the thirteenth inning. Is the thirteenth inning the Rockies' lucky number inning? Uh, maybe very Will's well. Could here. be. He'll let us know. He knows. I'm sure. But but yeah, he goes with the bases loaded. That was a little bit of a back and forth game. That that game for whatever right. reason that one game. Because I, I only ended up going to a, to a handful of games uh, this year for various reasons. And it had the feeling of 2018 where it didn't matter that maybe the bullpen blew it and the Angels had taken the lead. It, it didn't matter if maybe the best bats weren't really up. It was more of the bottom of the lineup. It was it, – it, there was just something that was in the air that just said, you know what, the Rockies are still in this. I don't know what it was. And, yeah, sure enough, Charlie Blackman – Hits one into the night. And the strangest part about it was, and again, the, the, the photographs are, are fantastic, you know, from this game, the, the, the celebrations uh, of yeah. him coming in. Guys were ecstatic. It was his big moment. But you didn't have the music. You didn't have the fans. And you yeah. didn't have the Saturday night, I think it was a Friday night, a Friday night fervor around Coors Field. It was right. this thing that happened – that again, it was historic. Only the second 
time it had ever happened. And yet, 45 minutes later, when everyone leaves the ballpark, you're done talking to the players on Zoom, you walk outside of Coors and you hear some music in the distance, a couple people go by on scooters, and it was like it didn't happen. And yeah. that was so strange. But again, if you go back in the history books and people will go back and, and talk about this game and, and what the Rockies had to do to, to come back and, and Charlie's big, big walk-off slam. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, among many other things was an incredibly bizarre and surreal moment. Um, but yeah, particularly walk-off grand slams for there to be no no audience for. And, and Will did, of course, come to the rescue, letting us know that Spilly game was the 14th. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and Will, the, yeah, sterile environment, like just a very, very sterile environment. And so, yeah, kind of too bad. I do believe the DNVR bar went but not so bananas for that one. So there, there was <laughs> there was riotous energy in one place, at least in Denver, uh, back when the when the bar was still open. So it actually in between times when the bar has been closed, I should say. Uh, I think I think uh, Blackman nearly walked in that at bat, which would have won the game. It would have been a that's walk off right. walk. That's right. I think it was a 3-0 count. Yeah, he didn't need to hit the grand slam. That was the other thing that was so great about it. It was such a punctuation that wasn't even yeah. necessary. And you felt like, okay, here they go. And they they did not. They did not go, Patrick. Yeah, I felt like I felt like he like started going down the first baseline, um, called it a strike, came back in the box, and then just hit the ever-loving crap right. out of that baseball. 8-4, oh. Rockies victory. The, the walk-off that – Ugh, didn't happen. I just so I strange, know, right? just so strange. Um, and and that kind of uh piggybacks really well with another honorable mention was if we're talking about the pandemic and we're talking about these, you know, the the ballpark it being so sterile and 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 antiseptic. The Rockies, the way as an organization, both in the clubhouse, on the field, and up in the press box, did an amazing job handling the pandemic essentially all of major league baseball did right. of course because they were able to get all the way down to the the finish line and i mean who was that close thanks justin turner but yeah. the rockies did an amazing job you know i've been very cautious during this time uh for for my own reasons and just kind of doing everything i can and and taking things to an extreme as far as trying not to you know get germs and things of that nature which isn't that difficult really if uh if, if you're lucky to a degree, or if you've got the luxury of being able to, to work from home and pick up your groceries at the supermarket, stuff like that, you can work around it. And so I was a little bit leery about going down to the ballpark. I knew the Rockies would, you know, do a good job, but what does that exactly mean? What, right. what, what little details are they going to neglect? And those little details are the most important ones when it, when it comes to this virus. And yet it was top, notch just every little detail you could possibly think of with just keeping doors propped open so you would never have to touch them um you know the the, the temperature scanning and again just the way everything everybody was really spaced out yeah. and it was it was i i felt incredibly safe it again it seems weird just doing it because again i hardly go anywhere yet to, to be like oh yeah i was at a sporting event i was at coors field you go Wait, how can you be safe yeah, when you're yeah. going to Coors Field? Well, if you saw the setup, you would know how great of an operation they had. So hat is off to yeah. them. Cheers, cheers in my Breck brews to the to the staff down there. Uh, some of whom are no longer with the Colorado Rockies just because they've moved on to other endeavors. Uh, Warren Miller, you know, the, the guy who kind of ran the whole ship as both Patrick and I uh, got our starts in this mm -hmm uh crazy ride that we're on and uh you know he's he's off to retire and ride his wife's coattails and uh which as well he should <laughs> yeah. and um and abby is off to uh expand their family and and we will miss them both very much but they're ex they were extraordinary people to work around and like you said it, for a long time it was just like 
nice that they were there and helped our jobs be easier and were cool people and all that stuff. But this year it became like important for our health and safety that they were professional and good at their jobs. And they were. So I cheers my Breck Brews to them. My RK special this day. There you go. Mixing it up. Love that. Yeah. Rockies did a, did a really good job with, with being safe. And so proud of them for that and, and proud for our, our final honorable mention. The Rockies were buyers at the trade deadline, Drew. Yeah. How often does that happen? How often are they in the position to do it yeah, and then right. actually follow through? Like, again, we know how it all worked out. But that's that's a story in and of itself when you really think about it. They acquired two dudes and gave up some of their prospect capital to contend. And, I mean, can't really ask for too much more than that in season. Yeah. I mean – and the funny thing about it, too, was that while obviously given so far has not panned out like that, that, that was ugly for a minute, not much uglier than anybody else out there in the bullpen, but obviously not what you were hoping for. Um, it was still the right idea. It's very difficult to argue against that. And then Pilar obviously did his thing. He really did contribute. He was one of their better hitters down the stretch. And, uh, you know, and I understand that people are not excited about the idea of bringing them back. And I'm honestly less and less excited by the day. You know, there was a time where I thought actually at the right price, Pilar, again, we've talked about his defense at center. I, I get why people aren't excited about it. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it more than I would understand it. Um, but more and more, I'm like, nah, but that doesn't change what he did. And like hitting a grand slam to put your team up in LA and then the bullpen comes back and blows it. But that he very easily could have been a hero like three or four times that didn't had for nothing to do with him. So you're right. Like, and again, I, I think it helps us separate. It's been a while since I've gone on this particular rant. I used to do this all the time, but before uh, you were on the show, man, like when I was running solo, I talk all the time about, and I guess we talk about it in practice more, but just separating process from results. And it can be so difficult sometimes, but it's a really important thing to do. And in this case, I think this is one of those places where you can go. The Rockies had the right process in place here to swing these trades, to identify the things they needed, to get players who should have come in help. One really did, one really didn't. But it shows you that they're willing to be aggressive and do things at the deadline if they feel they're ready to compete. And it shows you that they might be willing to do so again, if you can get yourself in a position. And while it might not mean a whole lot to us, I still wonder like what that particularly meant to guys like Nolan and Charlie and Trevor, even though they didn't work out. I hear people say all the time when other teams do stuff that doesn't work out. And I say, but that didn't work out. They say, yeah, Drew, at least they tried. The Rockies aren't even trying. Well, Rockies tried here. They knew full well that, that Arenado had a bum shoulder. And so, okay, Nolan, we're going to pick you up. You don't have to do all the heavy lifting. We're going to get a run producer to hit right after you. And you go and look, and Pilar was, again, right there to do that job. And, you know, it's not the trade deadline, but you can extend it a little bit further, again, with the, the craziness that was 2020. But going into the summer camp, you know, they, they still were able to add Matt Kemp. Um, right. Daniel Bard, I think, was already a part of uh, the spring training, but you right. know they still were able to bring him back. Obaldo Menez, they didn't bring back. So again, the, you still, I think, had needed to like re up. So I mean, you can give him a little credit for for that and just saying, hey, you know what, we we've got some holes. Uh, let's see if we can you know add to this roster. And again, yeah, on one hand, you go, well, if you had a really good roster, you would need to add it to it in the first place. Okay, but most teams at the trade deadline when they're trying to you know. Uh, make a postseason run or, or go deep in the postseason. They're looking right. to make additions. So again, right. if we're looking at the best of 2020, again, that's something that's not on the list every single year, either because the team is clearly not in contention, which the Rockies were halfway through the season. Granted, oh, yeah. it was a very short season, but they were in it. They were still in it. Um, and other times when maybe there should have been moves made, they really weren't, or they weren't as impactful. Uh, as as you know, Pilar and, and Kemp ended up being so. Um, those are our our five honorable mentions. Now we got a whole top ten. Now we got the official. The this, official. Is what, this is what's going on the plaque. This is what's going on the wall. <laughs> when we go back and look about at at twenty twenty and say, "Gosh, what do we remember twenty twenty four? We will only remember these ten things that happened 
for the Rockies, and everything else will just be. Oh, was there a presidential election? Was there, was I don't know. Was, was there, there a pandemic or whatever? I don't know. Was there? I don't recall any of that. I only remember yeah. these ten things about the Colorado Rockies. All right, number ten. Number ten, and and this could be one that does it does it end up being something when we look back on the past and say, how is this number ten? This one should be numero uno. Zach Veen. Yeah. Mr. Florida, Mr. High School, drops all the way to number nine in the MLB draft. Now, most years, let's let's face it, all years, that wouldn't have made our top ten. But this year, we had a lot more vested interest. We did, I think, what, 48 straight hours yeah. of MLB draft hours, coverage. Correct, yeah. Consecutive. We should that's point right. that out because yeah. there are other – you know, Denver uh, Rockies related podcasts out there that also did 48, but they took breaks. Now yeah, anyone right. can do that. Right. Right. Again, go, go back and listen to that. Uh, you'll get breakdown on, on everyone who got drafted from all 30 teams, but we kind of had our draft boards and Zach Veen was a guy that baseball America at one point said he might even go second. There was a thought, well, there's no way he's going to get past seven. So, all right, who's our next favorite guy? Is it Max Meyer? And it ended up being kind of a flip-flop. The Marlins ended up taking Max Meyer from the right. University of Minnesota, and the Padres right in front. Every single pick, they were right in front. And they ended up using a couple of those, those picks already. They traded Owen Casey in the U Darvish deal. They traded uh, Cole Wilcox in the Blake Snell deal uh, just earlier this week. Right. And yet they decided to go with – uh, the man who does not own a cattle company, at least not yet, uh, Robert Hassel the third, yeah. which means Zach in on that Veen, power hitting left hander, drops to ninth in the MLB draft, and the Rockies absolutely swoop in. They might not have gotten the pitching that they needed to, but they said simply said, "Look, this guy could be a generational." talent this i don't know is, is this a uh, a future larry walker are we going to be talking about a hall of famer we we don't know we got a long way to go zach Veen has a lot to prove but on the looks of things this ended up being a better first pick for the rockies at number nine than i think any of us could have expected and that's why that's number 10 on our best of 2020 for the colorado rockies and I think we even, in a way, probably could have just said the whole draft, though I don't think we were giving them an A++ for the draft. I'm trying to remember. I think we were in that B+, A- range when we went back and graded the whole thing. Drew Romo is another exciting, potentially high-risk pick, but, you, you know, it's in a really long-term project. We've talked about high school catchers, but there's also – in the one in a million shot that that guy works out, you go, holy cannoli, do we have something special here? Chris McMahon, I think, was a, a really fun and interesting pick. But, yeah, I, actually, as you said that, I was trying to think back, and I would be willing to bet that in both 2013 and 2014, had we been doing this exact same exercise, the draft pick would have had an opportunity to make the top ten. Because not only were those draft picks fun and, and exciting and, and stuff that people really loved, 13 being John Gray, 14 being Kyle Freeland, but those major league ball clubs were bad. And so I, I think there's the, you got the right combination there to be like, well, we got excited about the draft this year. 13 was a good, a really good deep draft too. Also brought him McMahon, uh, Ryan McMahon. Now we're going to have to start now that Chris McMahon is around. We're going to have to start. We got Rymac. We got Crymac. Yeah. Rymac. Yeah. Crymac. Dom Nunez came in that draft too, as well. Yeah. Uh, 14 was, Freeland, and then 15 rounds later, Sam Hilliard, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, man, the, the Zach Veen thing was fun. I think the biggest thing about that, like from a like meta standpoint, from a Rockies 28 years of, I know people out there, uh, what you're feeling, what you're going through was very few things where luck is involved feel like they go the Rockies way. And maybe that's just inferiority complex. Maybe that's how everyone feels about their baseball team. So probably, well, even maybe the Yankees. Uh, but still, it's, you know, 
It, it just feels like, man, the great guy in the draft never falls to us. And then it did. And then they took him. And then it wasn't, you know, it, it almost feels like they would go with the guy they were already set on and the next team would get him, right? And it's just like, no, they didn't. They just took the most exciting player on the board who fell into their lap and it was fun. And so, yeah, uh, obviously we hope it works out for him, but even if it doesn't, it was this tiny weird moment where the universe lined up for the Rockies. You're like, what? This never happens. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more critical of the draft in, in the sense that they didn't get enough pitching since it was so deep, but I, I think for the Rockies, and I, and I understand it too. They they really got what they wanted because we were even hearing, if you remember, we were hearing a couple of days before the draft that they were interested in. Uh, I was going to say Patrick Bailey, but no, it was actually Tyler Soderstrom who ended up going twenty right. sixth. They were going to get they're going to go for a high school catcher. Now you go again, and and part of what's interesting about the MLB draft is you get uh, a certain uh, amount of allotted money, so you could get creative and take a guy who maybe isn't clearly the ninth best overall player, but then you can go and later on in, in your second pick, get maybe the 15th best player who really wanted to you know make some money or go to college and no one else was willing to pay his price. I mean, ultimately that's what happened with the Padres and they got, they paid $3 million in the third round. So they paid basically first round money for a guy in the third round because of the way they were able to, to maneuver around the money and they ended up using it as a trade chip. But ultimately, they were thinking about a high school catcher in the ninth pick. They say, no, Zach Veen falls, as you said. When does that happen? They yeah. get Zach Veen, and then what do they do with their next pick in the compensation round? They got that high school catcher that they had wanted. So they they, they got their cake and eat it too. Right. And that totally. was fantastic. And, yeah. and you know, they go and they – good and they story. they still get some exciting pitching, although oh, yeah. they traded one of those guys now. Well, that's but, what I was going to get to. Yeah. It was a really cool story. You know, a kid from, yeah. from uh, Douglas County getting drafted, you know, right. was on the Rocky Scout team. And that was fun. All right. Didn't last too long. Traded him. But in the process, you know, they got Robert Stevenson. So you go, okay, well, hey, that's all right. You still wish the, the Colorado kid, you know, the best of luck going forward. And, and the Rockies, you know, they strengthen up their uh, outfield depth in the minors in that in that trade for Case Williams. But yeah, that was uh, that was really exciting. Zach Zilla, yeah. no, I think I forget what I called him. Veen Zilla. Zach Zilla. I don't know. Oh no, I called him Zach Zilla and Veen Kong. Those are those are my two nicknames. Zach Zilla and Veen Kong. All right, number nine on our. And it is a great time for your spoonerized name to be vaccine. Oh, mm. get vaccine aid. I don't know. Get vaccine. Get He's not vaccine, gonna... everyone. <laughs> Trust in vaccine. Vaccine is good for you. Well, these are, I feel like these are subliminal messages that you might be putting out there into the world. Well, uh, an exciting young ball player. Yeah, great start to his career with Colorado. And a great start for the Colorado Rockies. That's your number nine. Rockies start off 11-3, and three, best record in Major League Baseball, folks. Best. They're 11-3. and three. Coupled with that, Charlie Blackman is batting roughly, was it 750? Yeah. I forget. <laughs> he was batting 500 at a certain point. He's in 500, yeah. Slipped for a little bit, was still hitting 400. But the great starts, the Rockies, again, we know how it ended, but still for a period of time, man, you go, you, you blinked, and two weeks later after the season starts on, on July 23rd, 24th, boom, Rockies have the best record in baseball, and Charlie Blackman is looking to make history. Yeah, and that's great. Again, in, in hindsight, it's easy to bury this whole thing or call it a mirage, and, and I get some of that, but there's also like, it's also easy to forget that the three losses to the 11 and three start were all ones where you go, mm, damn, could have had that one. Close all three games. of them were like, you were right there. One of them, Davis blew it before going on the DL. And then he really wasn't an issue again. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, one was uh, the, the opener that ended one, nothing. And Lance Lynn mm -hmm. just balled out of his mind. Uh, 
And so there will, you know, and then one was to the Oakland A's, who are one of the better teams in baseball, and the Rockies still won that series overall. So it's just like they had such a good start. And I do think it shows you. All right, I think we're, we're going to wait for Drew to get back in. That 11-3 start, three losses in the early going, the opening day loss, as Drew said, to Lance Lynn. And from there, they go on a roll. They win the next two against the Rangers, next two in Oakland. They lose the home opener, 7-8 to those Padres who weren't even quite yet the Padres that we know them to be right now. Nevertheless, that was their one loss in that series. And then you go into a giant series where they win three out of four and they lose uh, on Wednesday evening game three to four. So in those losses, they were all by one run. That's it. And they nearly swept the Seattle Mariners to go 12 and two uh, on that getaway day on Sunday. So they were just fantastic in, in the early going. And yeah, it, it may have been a mirage, but. At that time, you know, there was, you very well could start dreaming. And, and really, that was all it was going to take in this 60-game abbreviated season. You just needed to get hot uh, at the right time over the course of two months, and you're in the playoffs. you got a playoff spot. I mean, the Marlins uh, and the Cardinals, you know, they missed a lot of time um, due to, uh, you know, the, the pandemic and, and a lot of uh, positive tests for coronavirus. They played a lot of doubleheaders and they won just enough games. I was even going back and looking at the odds, you know, that uh, before the season, I think the Marlins were projected to be the 27th or 28th best team. Well, in a 60 game abbreviated season, all you had to do was basically play 500 baseball for two months. Yeah. Any team can do that. A tanking team can do that. Yeah. And the Marlins did it. And the Rockies were in a spot where they weren't playing 500 baseball. They were playing 750 baseball. They were 11 and three, and 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 all three of their their losses were by one run. Yeah. So you go, well, this is very easy to say. Even if they're a couple games under 500, even if they play 450 baseball the rest of the way, right. they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they're limping in, but you know what? Shoot, they're in the playoffs again. You know, for the third time in four years, and and it wasn't that crazy. You know, two weeks prior. Okay, maybe there's some people out there saying, hey, look at the Rockies. I don't know if things really line up well for them. They might make the postseason. Yeah, people might look at you a little bit crazy, but when you're the best record, when you have the best record in baseball at that point in the season, and you've got less than two months left to play, how can anyone not get excited about that? Especially when there's eight eight postseason spots in the in, in your league, right? Right. That that's right. a huge story. I think that will get forgotten or at least overlooked as being this major positive from this season. Yeah, I, I think it's part of why I always struggle with the framing of it, Patrick. And right. and and this happened, we know this happened in, in 17 and 18, and why every time somebody tells me those teams, well, it's flukes, it was it was lucky, it wasn't sustainable, all this stuff is because what they're basically saying to you is that, well, that wasn't real. That's not who they really are. This is who they really are. And so somebody might say to me this, well, Drew, you, you're Drew and Patrick, you know, you guys are talking about this 11 and three start as though that's who they really were. And we go, that's only, that's part, but it is part of who they are. Now, is it more a part of who they are than how they finished? No, probably not. But both of those things. So what I, you know, would say to people is, it, you know, they would say, Drew, you're just saying the opposite. You're saying the 11 and three is who they really are. And this other stuff was a fluke and bad luck. I'm actually not. I'm saying both of those things are who this team is. When things are going well, when their health is there, when everyone's in a good mood, when their best player is playing well, those types of things, then they can be one of the better teams, certainly in the National League. And I, and I still believe that that's actually true moving forward. What is also true is the critique on the other side of it where you see it's like, but there's no depth there. And if your best player goes down and your number two starter goes down and your closer isn't there, you're not just now a mediocre team. You're one of the worst teams in baseball. And that is unsustainable and frankly unacceptable. And that's one of the reasons why 
I'm very intrigued by these lower level moves we've seen the Rockies make that are grabbing no headlines, but it's like they're all aimed at that exact problem. Just like have a dude, have somebody who isn't Antonio Santos having to make his MLB debut straight out of double A baseball and getting scored nine runs on him in the first inning against the Dodgers, which makes everyone feel like crap. Like that's no good for anybody. Now you got Derek Rodriguez. Now you got like five guys who can do that, who couldn't do it last year. So I know people aren't excited about their names, but the 11 and three start is a part of who this team is. And it's still in their DNA. To prove your point, I just got to throw two names at you. Ubaldo Jimenez and Troy Tulitsky. Think about how much those guys are loved for what they did. There's a lot that they didn't do as well. Right. You know, Tulo with being hurt and then again, finishing up with another team. And you can say, well, he didn't really do anything after, you know, 2015 and, and, you know, 2016, given that he didn't do anything after that. Ubaldo Jimenez, man, 20, 2010, he started the all-star game. We might never see that ever again, folks. Right. <laughs> Again, really let that sink in that our right. Rockies pitcher started the all-star game. That might never happen. And yet, you know, what everything that happened after that, you know, going to Cleveland, you know, his deal with Baltimore kind of fell apart. And again, how both those guys maybe left town. And you go, Oh, I would love to have seen those guys finish their careers in purple. Nevertheless, we don't really think about those moments. We think more about the great things that they were able to do in purple pinstripes and maybe some more of that potential, but you don't go, yeah, but they didn't make that potential. Therefore, Tulowitzki, I don't even want to have the Hall of Fame conversation because right. he sucked. And I don't want to talk about Ubaldo Jimenez being a great pitcher because he sucked. Well, no, but we, we can separate those two things, both being true and, and still, you know, celebrate the positive. And it's a lot easier to do for those guys since they had much more of a career and we're only right. talking about 14 games for the season and they're, you know, players careers and a, and a singular season are are two very different things where in a season we have right. different metrics to categorize whether was it good, was it bad? Actually, I don't know, it's kind of in the middle whereas when it comes to a a single season you go, "Hey, did the Rockies make the playoffs?" No. Okay, so then for the most part it was bad and there's really no gray area. But right. to your point, 11 and 3 start. We can't forget that. Yeah. Can't forget that. Right. We oh, also yeah. can't we also can't forget number 8. Now this you won't let us. <laughs> this one gosh, I don't know if it's like it's it's too obvious. Should it be higher? Should it even be on the list? Right. You can right? argue you know, either way, right? Automatically cross that off. Like we're not going to there's no All-Star game this year, so we wouldn't say Blackman story Arenado all make the all-star team. Like, yeah, that's a great highlight. But you go, well, yeah, they're supposed to ho-hum. Yeah. So in a weird way, you go, should this be on the list? I don't know. We we put it at number eight because it still deserves its recognition. Nolan Arenado, pretty good third baseman. <laughs> yeah. So for all of the reasons that you just went through, I thought, eh, maybe this doesn't even need to be on the list. Here are the reasons why I feel like it it really does. It does. Um, because let them know. Let them know. We can't take it for granted, folks. It just because it's automatic doesn't make it less stunning. In fact, the longer he does it, it makes it more stunning. And and what in particular, there are two things in particular that blow my mind about Nolan Arenado defensively this year. One being that he was able to do it despite his offense just being dreadful and his shoulder being messed up and, and everything we know that was going on there. So you have that element of it. But the second part of it was he maybe added to, he certainly added one play to his own personal top 10 or 15. And at this stage in his career, I really didn't think that that was possible. He had had statistically and even to my eyes, slight, and I mean, we're taught, I don't even know who, slight down years in 19 and 18. Still very deserving of all the stuff, <laughs> all the awards, but he wasn't quite on the level he had been before that. He was doing obscene things on the baseball field for his first 
four years or so. He was making shit up. Like he was just, uh, he was fielding balls on the other side of the pitcher's mound and throwing it to second. He was cutting the ball off in the middle of the air and getting guys out back at third base. I mean, he was reinventing the position. He should have been pitching more, frankly. I mean, that's the only thing he else he could have done to, like you said, almost I'm reinvent saying. the position. Right. He should have figured out a way to pitch and then fall off the mound to the right so he's still playing just you know, a real shallow third base. Yeah, for the bunt. totally. <laughs> that's the only other thing he could have done. Only thing he could have done. And then for two years, what he basically did was play the best third base in baseball. But he didn't do any of that other stuff. He wasn't like... Here and there, he'd remind you, and you'd go, oh, great. That was a great play. But was it? And that was actually during the time that I invented the Arenado meter. Because it was like, because basically what he was doing during this time was making a bunch of great plays that people would go, ooh, and ah. And my response as someone who's seen like every play he's made at third base was, well, that was pretty good. And then I realized what a stupid reaction that was to have. Exactly what we're trying to do, not do here, right, is, is take it for granted. And that's where the idea of the Aronometer came from, was that I started grading him against himself. I was like, would that make his own top 10? No. And so that's that's like a 6 out of 10 on the Aronometer, right? I, you know, I, I submit, I know, I know you, you've got a lot more to sh- share on this. I submit that, you know, Aronado, in a lot of ways, in, in the Aronometer kind of, you know, forces us to examine that is is saying that nolan is is the anti-jeter he's the anti Edmonds. now if you were to go and look at some of the plays so jeter you you look at his fielding percentage and go he didn't make a lot of errors okay did he get to a lot of baseballs not that many and then the ones he did get to that were quote unquote hard well you know omar viscale is making that pretty easy and he doesn't need to make a jump throw. Or Jim Edmonds is doing a full extension grab when you go, he was doing that at 75% because he's putting on a show. Right. Good for you, Jim. Like we, It's weird. Jim Edmonds we're okay with, but Jeter not so much. Right. We'll, figure, we'll figure that out another time. Whereas Nolan just goes, I'm just going to make the play. Right. That's it. I don't, I don't care what it looks like, how, how it goes down. He's just going to make it go back to third base. And he's just done it so many times, these highlight reels, that you just go – all right, well, yeah, he, he's supposed to be making that barehanded play that if you can make it 50% of the time, you are an elite defender, and yet he's making them 95% of the time. He's yeah. he's the anti-jeer. Yeah, he, he made a sprinting basket catch in what I can only describe as medium deep left field uh, in foul territory, and it was, and I went, that's one of the best plays he's ever made in his career and i didn't think he was capable of it anymore and so yeah he won another gold glove and he won the platinum glove yeah. at age 29 and there was no and it actually was a better defensive year than what he had done the two years before and and you know i'm expecting him to keep getting the hardware but maybe a steady decline into 29 30 and so on and for him to be so and there were a couple of other ones that's the one that stands out in my mind there were there were a few others but i just went the guy's on another level. The guy's not human. Like that's not. How does he do it? He's uh, man. The 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 dude is just elite. He's yeah. he's a special talent. And I I think I think what our list is doing is, you know, at a, at a time in which it's we need to appreciate. I guess the Rockies. Uh, I don't know if we need to. We we feel inclined to because there's a lot to to not be happy about, and we'll we'll talk about that on the pod, and and, and we've done that, uh, and we'll continue to do it, right? If 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 you guys out there want to hear that, and if fans, if you guys uh, have your grapes, okay, we'll we'll look at all those things. But at the end of the day, and you you've written about it, and and we've we've said it here, is that like at the end of the day, there's a big league club in the city of Denver, and not every place has that. So I don't know if that's you know, some kind of inferiority complex, if that's just being too grateful and, and, you know, you, we, we should want more. I don't, I don't know necessarily know where the line is, but recognizing reality. Sure. That's what Uh, I call it. It's December 31st. It's the end of a year. And if we're just talking about the great things, I mean, Nolan Arenado is, is great. And if he's not around, um, it we're we're, we're going to figure something else on the list. No, it, absolutely. It should that and that that's the thing. This it list should, will be harder to make every year that Nolan Arenado is not a right. part of this club because 
we're going to be really searching a little bit that much harder for some other highlights because the dude is is nothing but a highlight machine. Rocky for and, life. And it's so consistent. Bet me. Bet me the monies. Bet me the monies on the DraftKings Sportsbook, man. Got to get your DraftKings Sportsbook situation handled. You bet it down there. I don't think right now you can get odds on Nolan Arenado, Rocky for life. I could have been able to win you some money if they would have had a couple of years ago odds, especially because remember uh, on, on these betting things, whether it's you know Vegas or certainly DraftKings Sportsbook knows what they're doing there. You're betting against the public. A couple mm. of years ago, if you'd have taken my advice on whether or not Nolan Arenado was going to sign a big honking contract with the Colorado Rockies against where the public was at, you would have made yourself a significant amount of money. Again, I don't think you can bet on no, that. In Drew, that's a, that's just a, that's a really good point. And 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 while we might not agree all the time on you know, there's an East Coast bias, West Coast bias, all those different things. We do live in a market where people aren't paying that close attention to it. We're at a weird time zone. Um, there's you know, people love the state of Colorado. They love the city of Denver. But it's still kind of a new kid on the block in the grand scheme of things of pro sports, right? And there, it, it's not as sexy as a lot of other places. And so, you guys listening to this now, you're in this market. You see your team, Nuggets, Avs, the Buffs, Rams, whatever it is. You see them, and of course, you see the teams in the other markets. You probably better than anybody else. That's what I would love to know: is that kind of information, like who, what state, what areas are making the best bets? And honestly, even before RK and Andre were doing it at DNVR bets, I would bet Colorado fans would actually be on the high end as far as being winners. Because again, Probably. you've got very specific information on your team that a lot of other people don't have. And like you said, you're not necessarily betting against who's going to win or who isn't. You're just betting against everybody else that isn't in the know. Yeah. Yeah. So you can take all that information to the DraftKings Sportsbook right now if you bet $1 on any semifinals team to win the championship and your team wins, you cash 100 bucks. That's right, just for throwing $1 down, you can walk away with 100 bucks just by picking the winner out of these semifinalists right here. All you got to do is download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use your promo code DNVR when you sign up to get that 100 to 1 odds on any semifinal team to win it all. That's code DNVR for limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I'd like to make it a clean break, Patrick, but I think we're going to have to do one more and then do the top six on our part two. So it's like, whatever, it's going to be top five. Sorry, folks. We're, we're doing a little differently here, but let's get one more before we wrap okay. up this first part. We'll do number seven, and then we'll do the top six on part two. Well, number seven deals with the World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's not that they won the World Series, which in some ways Surely. you might be able to spin the complacency factor and say, hey, you know what? They finally got that World Series. They shouldn't care about anything anymore. Those Dodgers jerseys will sell themselves. Dodger Stadium will fill up. So you know what? Just pocket that money magic. You know, you and the rest of the ownership group, you don't need to win another one. You've proved your point. You're good to go. No, that that could certainly be a fun little spin. No, it's the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers, the best record in the National League, best record in all baseball, did not lose a series all year because, hey, they won the World Series. They didn't lose a series in the postseason, but on second thought, they actually did lose a series. The only team Just they lost one, a three, five, or seven game series was to your Colorado Rockies. There it is in the, LA. The team that won it all, only one team beat them, the Colorado Rockies. Right. So there's your spin. Yeah. That is your spin. The Rockies are the best team in Major League Baseball. You know what? And this is another one of those things about the season that I think is going to get lost in the sands of time, as maybe hopefully the entire season will. But <laughs> really, uh, 
this is again one of those things that you forget that at the time it really put them right back in the mix and it was just this like oh man they just beat they just beat the dodgers the only team to beat the dodgers this year they so it seemed like they had solved a couple of the issues that had been plaguing them and they had a, a winnable schedule for the final two weeks two and a half weeks or whatever it's like okay all they got to do, like you were talking about earlier, is just play solid baseball and they're in. They did not. Uh, but yeah, I you know I know there are people that don't like to hang their hat on moral victories or whatever. But first of all, these are actual victories. <laughs> these are actual wins over the Los Angeles Dodgers in LA. And there is a mental element to that for everyone who's still on the team and will remain on the team. But beyond that, I, I do think that, yeah, like, you you've gotta you've gotta celebrate those moments. You've gotta say like, okay, okay, they got no no spot on their. Oh wait, they do have a spot on their record. What is that spot? Was it is that is that the Colorado Rockies? I see right there on the making the because they wouldn't they love. How much would you be hearing right now if the Los Angeles Dodgers hadn't lost a single series all year? Yeah. How much would we have been hearing about it all offseason? The Dodgers are the greatest team in baseball. They didn't lose to anybody. They couldn't, not to Noba, but do they want to say, oh, the Dodgers are the, except the Rockies, except for the Rockies, but they beat everybody. Yeah. Well, no, so no one wants to do the except for the Rockies part, so you're not hearing that. So... For the if for nothing else, for the lack of headache and and in your faceness from all the major networks and from the Dodgers and all and Dodgers fans and all that stuff, you gotta everyone should be pouring out a little bit of their Breck brew to the Colorado Rockies for saving us from how irritating that talking point would have been. No doubt about it. And again, it's it gets lost because the season was was lost. You know, the season kind of got washed away. But at that point, going into that Dodgers series in L.A., they had just lost two of the last six. Uh, they lost three or four to the Dodgers. Uh, they, they split a two-game series against the Giants. And, yeah, they lost that first game against L.A. And by winning the next two games, they ended up getting back to 500. They were at 20 and 20. They were seventh in the wild card. And they were a half a game up on two other clubs. And again, this was just right after the the trade deadline. It was September sixth, so they were in a spot where you go, okay, again, they've they've fallen from glory a little bit, but they are in a really good spot. Certainly, they can build off of that momentum. And no, they didn't. They immediately got swept in three games uh, by the Padres. But yeah. nevertheless, they they beat the team that was you know, the best, the only team to take a series and to do it in Los Angeles. Again, it's one of those feathers you could put in your cap that, you know, next season when you go and play, like that's the thing, you know, when, yeah, we can if, win here. Yeah. If you're, if your team is tanking or your team just isn't good, you go, Hey, remember where we were last year and how much we gave these guys a run for our money or when we beat them, like you can really use those as talking points. It's hard to kind of pump up some guys or get in their head you know, mentally in a positive way, if you don't have those moments, like, Hey, you know, you can beat those guys. Well, we hope we can, we haven't proven it yet. Rockies proved it. They could, they could hang with the best. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's only for a three day span, but it, it's something that no other team across major league baseball was able to do against the world champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. You said they were right there. I'll dive into it further. I had a, a lot of people, calling me out over the last couple of days on Twitter asking, and, and most people here I think already know, but I will get into the specifics of why I think the Rockies are in a, a better position than a lot of people do. And, and you started to touch on a number of them right there. I, I do think we may be overreacting to some small sample size stuff, but as long as we're doing that, we might as well overreact to some small sample size stuff and a bit of a pause and we go, ha I got the Dodgers. <laughs> and so uh, that'll wrap it up for this first part of our countdown. Make sure to join us if you're here on the live. Well, then you can join us in just a few moments. Uh, if you're on the podcast, well, it'll just be the next episode of the podcast as we count down the top six, because that's how we're doing it. Uh, moments slash things that happen for the Colorado Rockies this year. Appreciate you all hanging out with us. Make sure you're subscribing 
uh, on, well, you don't subscribe, you follow on social media at Patrick D. Lines, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You do subscribe to the DNVR.com. That way you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar when it reopens and you get to hang out with us in the Discord chat talking about all kinds of stuff and having all kinds of fun. Until then, all we can ask is that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there while we continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.